Hello, I'm with Pastor Dennis uh, Beard today, and he's going to be talking a lot about interesting topics, especially on the false trinity doctrine that uh, many Christians have probably heard and you know, thinking that there's actually three Godheads. But Dennis, uh, he's going to be talking a lot about, uh, he's written many books on this subject. And so I wanted to go over what his thoughts were and how he uh, talks about that Jesus is the only one Godhead throughout the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Mm -hmm. So I wanted him to explain that theory and his thoughts. Uh, welcome, Pastor. Thank you, Sima. Glad to be here with you. No, uh, there is uh, there's a lot of controversy there. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it got me interested on, you know, what you have to say. And I do uh, agree with you that it has to. It makes more sense that it's Jesus throughout the whole book rather than split personalities of three different spirits. So yes, exactly. how, do you, how do you explain that from like, how do we get clues from the Bible that it really is talking about just Jesus? It is a mystery, uh, and here again, there's different levels. Uh, we come in as newborn babes, desire the sincere muck of the word, then we grow. Uh, we see it in First John two twelve through fourteen that he says, uh, "I write to you, little children." So we've grown from babies to little children. He said, "You've known the Father," and then we see this mystery of Christ. And unfortunately, the, the crisis has not been taught um, foundation-wise in most ecumenical uh, Protestant churches uh, throughout the world. And so in the last days, of course, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And his judgments are not to destroy mankind, but simply to get us to the point where we have the revelation or unveiling of Jesus and his true identity and essence of who he is. Right. And it's it's the love of God. And a lot of people, uh, when they read the book of Revelation, says, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> Judgment seal. Then why is God so mad? Right. It's not the, uh, the anger uh, there of the Lord. It is a move of God to move us uh, to the real revelation of Jesus, who he is, so that we will not perish. Uh, he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So, uh, then we go to the next step of young men, and uh, that's the ones that are overcomers. The word of God is strong in them, and then follow the final epoch at the top of it is fathers. Uh, when you look at the, as you mentioned, uh, the proto evangel Genesis three fifteen, uh, enmity between the serpent and the woman, between her seed and and his seed, the serpent's seed. And there's been very various doctrines on that over the years. But we know that he set cherubim at the east end of the Garden of God in Genesis 3.24, along with a flaming sword, to keep the way of the tree of life. And those cherubims have been a mystery. A lot of people say, well, you know, they're angels. It's hard to uh, describe who they are or what they are. And we see it kind of, uh, well, this is uh, one of the seven or nine orders or whatever the angels. But when we see it in Revelation 4 and 5, that there's four beasts before the throne of God, and there's 420 seats of 420 elders, and then we get an insight to that throne room revelation that these cherubim are not angels. We see it in Revelation 5 that these 420 seats of 420 elders and the four beasts sing the song of the redeemed. 
they sing the song, the new song, you know, the song of the Lamb. So they're not angels because obviously angels are not redeemed. So then it, it uh, begs the, uh, the question to be answered, who are they? Right. Well, obviously, they're the, the, the lion, man, calf, and eagle, which will be the church in the last days in the full measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Now, there's many different levels uh, that a person goes to. We, we know we, we're born again, but then we start reading the word of God. Then we grow. Then the more revelation is given to us, and it's progressive. What we most have been taught is that you're saved. There, there's nothing else. Uh, uh, the grace of God is upon you, the mercies of God, and uh, you're saved. That's it. Nothing else to it. But we find we're to grow up into Jesus in all things, and of course, the things of things of faith, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, doing the will of God. And that's where we are. That's where we're at now is finding the will of God, body of Christ coming together throughout the world. And of course, then the gospel being preached to all the world for witness in all nations in the end coming. So yes, the, uh, the whole bottom line is the revelation of Jesus, who he is, uh, all knowing from the least to the greatest. And there's very telling scriptures that gives us the insight. Uh, Paul stated in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, how did God do this? How he had to have a man. Well, God's a spirit. He can't die and he can't be tempted. So uh, how is he going to redeem mankind? Because we have to have a kinsman redeemer. How can this be? Well, Paul tells us that this is a mystery. It's a mystery of godliness, that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached of the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in the glory. We understand it. First Timothy 3.16. But how did he do it? Well, that's the question. And then there's many different doctrines, and uh, we speculate and hypothesis here or there. But basically, the Word of God in Revelation states that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, that Paul said that Jesus, who being in the form of God, that form is morpha, it's an eternal state of being. He's in the form of God and did not think it robbery to be equal with God, not made equal, to be equal. Then we say, well, then how, what does it mean by that? Well, to be equal with God, he has many attributes. That's the Elohim. It's from the Aleph to the Tav, the A to the Z, the Alpha to the Omega. What does it mean? Well, he's every attribute of God, and he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. That is wisdom, knowledge, prudence, peace, power, everything Jesus is. But he made himself. That's the key word there. He made himself of no reputation. Now, why would God do that? No repute, no reputation. In Philippians 2, 6. Well, we know in, in Revelation that it, 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 he is going to do his judgment, seal, trumpets, and bow. But it also says in, in Romans 5, that by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As the offenses one, so falls the free gifts is of one. So we have to have a man. And God looks for a man. We see that in Isaiah 59, 16, Isaiah 65. He looked for a man, but all were conceived in sin, shaken, iniquity, and good, no, not one. So what is God going to do? Mm -hmm. Well, he's not going to lose his creation. So he himself, he says in Isaiah 59, 16, 63, 5, Isaiah there says, he looked for a man, he was amazing to find none. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to himself. Well, to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? How did he do it? 
because God is spirit. He can't die and can't be tempted. So he makes himself, Philippians 2, 6. There's a key. He makes himself of no reputation. It's a kenosis. And not the son of God. God himself loved you so much that he, here's how, everybody received the love of God because he laid down his life for us. First Timothy, first John 3, 16, excuse me. So anyway, he makes himself of no reputation. Now that's the love of God. He literally puts a self-imposed limitation upon himself not to work his spirit, but to humble himself and take on the form of a servant. Now that form is again morpha. It's a permanent eternal state of being. Now, so God humbles himself knowing that this is an eternal state that he's doing. He's is literally humbling himself for the, through his love for us, mankind, and takes on him the form of a servant, God himself. Well, they're being found in, you know, fashioned in the likeness of men, fashioned as a man, humbles himself to the death, the death of the cross, wherefore God has highly exalted him. Given him a name is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee about, every tongue confessed, to the glory of the Father. Well, we see in Isaiah 43, 43.10, uh, we see the same parallel scripture in the prophet. He says, you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, the true witnesses of God. You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Now, when he says, I have chosen... Well, that definitely in the in the natural mind makes us think, well, that's another person. It has to be. God chose that other person. But we read on and God literally tells us beyond any shadow of a doubt, you are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Lord Jehovah God Almighty, self-existent, eternal spirit of God, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know, believe me, and understand. Give us a total understanding that I am he. So let me ask you, Yes, ma'am. But I want to ask you these questions. Um, so in Genesis, it talks about uh, God made image of, I mean, God made us in, in his image, but he also talks about in multiple, uh, like we instead of I. So, and then also, um, doesn't, uh, the Old Testament, he, um, God gave himself a name, Yahweh, right? And yes. then in New Testament, he gives himself a uh, name, Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, uh, is so the, I think the part of the confusion is that because they have separate identities, separate names. And so, I mean, I can see, you know, exactly what you're saying, that it's all one Godhead that he actually sent himself in flesh. So I'm assuming in uh, by the time the book of Revelation is over, it's really Jesus that we all are together in, you know, uh, here back on earth, that he's going to be residing in the form of Jesus as spirit and Godhead all together, right? Because there's no more sunlight. He, God is going to emanate all light through himself. So what will that look like? I mean, so I guess I'm, uh, I wanted to explain to go back from Genesis to why is he revealing himself in separate parts? And then it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, and what you're saying there in the different functions of that spirit and each one of those has a different title uh, because you're pointing to that attribute. For example, uh, he says in Genesis 126, oh God, you know, let us, 
plural personal pronoun, make man in our plural personal pronoun in our image. Then the very, that's Genesis 126, very next verse, Genesis 127, and of course we're told this is a trinity. The us is, the plural personal pronouns, us make man in our own image. Right. Then the very next verse, so God made man in his own image, male and female created he them. Now you're singular personal pronoun. Right. Now wait a minute. So the skeptic says, well, there's a direct contradiction. The Bible's not real. It directly contradicts itself. But to the believer, we're going, no, there's a definite revelation here that we must seek out. Well, who is the us's? And we're here that, well, maybe the Father's talking to the Son, the Holy Ghost, whatever the case is. But we look at the Proverbs 8, and he says, I, wisdom, dwell with I, wisdom, a, pro, pers- a singular person pronoun, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Well, that's, a, that's another the attribute of the Spirit of God. Wisdom's the Spirit, prudence is the Spirit, with me is understanding. That's another attribute of the Spirit. The power of God, the peace and everything, but it's the various, the Elohim of God is the attributes of God. So if he had not said, let us make man in our own image, every attribute of God came forward. Love, power, understanding, wisdom. Otherwise, man would be void in any one of those attributes. He was not. Adam had every attribute. And it says there in Isaiah 44, 24, that God spanned the heaven alone and the earth by myself. So he did it all by his word. But the word is the spirit. But it's different classified. For example, he said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We see that in the English, but it's in the seven Hebrew words. It's Bereshit in the beginning, Barah created Elohim. That's the plurality attributes of God. Then we find this little small word, eight. That is the Allah That's the A to the Z in every attribute of God in Psalm 119, which is your longest chapter in the whole word of God. And he says, Bereshit Barah Elohim 8, the Allah through the Tav, all the attributes of God, Hashemayim Bayat Hayertz, the heaven and the earth. Well, how did he do it? Well, and God said, and and he's and let there be light. Well, the word is God. And we see in Colossians 1, 16, 17, all things were made by Jesus Christ, would be thrown and spent by his powers, things visible and invisible, seen and unseen, made by him. But we see various attributes. But when Jesus, which does not reveal his name until he takes on a permanent abode. For example, if you had a rental house, you wouldn't go out there and and uh, write and chisel in the concrete your name. And it's a, it's a rental house. You're not going to put your name over the front door in a permanent place because it's, it's rented. Well, Jesus showed many uh, Christophanies, Theophanies in the Old Testament, but it wasn't a permanent abode forever a permanent tabernacle. Only then would he reveal his eternal name, Jesus, Jehovah's salvation. So when he does, and then he says, and the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory that goes unbegotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now the theologian, theologians over the time have said in, in John 1, 18, just what you were, were focusing on. We have many different attributes and each of the attributes uh, have their own title. Uh, the Lord, our peace, Jehovah Shalom. Uh, the Lord are righteous, Jehovah Tendishkinu, the Lord are healer, Jehovah Rapha, uh, on and on. Well, each of those titles, and he said, by my name, Jealous, capital J-E-A-L-O-U-S, each one is an attribute. But the intrinsic essence name of God, his revealed name, blood name, 
revealed the redemption name is Jesus. And that's the name there that he goes that reveals himself in his full glory forever in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, the whole revelation of Jesus Christ is simply to bring that truth home. And he uses judgments not to destroy mankind, but to reveal who he is. So the first thing we see, and it's built upon the, the Allah of Tah, there's 22 chapters in the, in the book of the Revelation, and each of the, the uh, Allah, each of the ABCD area, uh, Hebrew letters have a, a sign, uh, 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 a meaning, and a picture that goes with it on the Hebrew, and every chapter is built on that. So uh, the Allah shows an ox, that he's, that's the Almighty, number one, only one God. And it says in Revelation 1, 8, uh, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the end, which is, was, it's come, the Almighty. But right. then. I think that's the strongest verse that says he is only one, the Alpha and Omega. But uh, when we pray, and especially when you get baptized, there are, uh, it's said to pray to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do that in separate uh, entities? When you look at John 16, uh, it's, it's been a, and this is another thing in the mystery. Why would God not just come out and say, Hey, look, here I am. No question about it and make it very well. It's line upon line, precept to a precept here a little, there a little. We see there in John 16 that Jesus said, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I'll show you plainly the father. Wait a minute. Why wouldn't you just show us plainly the father to begin with? And then we see that Paul says it's a mystery of Christ that is now given to his holy apostle and prophets of Ephesians 3. Then he says, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. And he says, to the full acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now, we know God is a spirit. And we know that Christ is that spirit also in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. That the Old Testament prophets searched diligently to the grace that come to us, searching water, what manner of time. The spirit of Christ that was in them, well, it's a spirit, it's God. Well, Christ is that spirit. Well, God is Christ. Christ is God. That's the spirit of God. But then he says the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. And he says, wait a minute. Why is that? In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, why is he hiding it? Well, here we go. Those that seek God out of a pure heart will find him. And the day you search for me, all your heart shall day you find me. So the pure in heart shall see God. So it's a thing that, that we have to really seek him out, diligent with a heart. If we don't, then take heed lest the promise slip any of us that we should, should seem to come short of entering to his rest, Hebrews 4. So we have to keep going, pressing toward the mark for the prize. I call him God in Christ Jesus. And we're all at different levels. We start as babes and then go to children, young men, fathers. And as long as we're pressing toward that mark and he's going to be faithful to get us there, he loves us. He does not want any of us to perish. So that uh, what you're stating there, uh, that mystery of God in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he comes down in Colossians 2, 9 in him uh, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He reveals himself in that body, Jesus Christ, a permanent tabernacle, a permanent dwelling there that he was manifested all who he is. So it's uh, in the Old Testament, we find that uh, in especially in Isaiah 43.10, 
You are my witnesses, thus saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. See now that I am God, thy Savior, the Lord, thy Redeemer, uh, Isaiah 43, 15, the Holy One of Israel. So this is a major thing that's happening throughout the world. We, are, we, we went to Africa starting in 2012. The ministers there just grasped it with that question, but it begs to be answered. Then why did Jesus pray to the Father if he is the Father? Where did the voice come from heaven? And then that's where the mystery comes in. Here, he's, he's the Spirit. He's made himself into our reputation. He takes on him the form of a servant. He comes under his own law. And we see that in Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made in under the law, not above it, under the law, to redeem us that were under the law. So he takes himself and makes a self-imposed limitation, the kenosis, made of no reputation, takes on him the form of servant and under the law. And then as a man, just like us, tempted in all points like we are yet without, uh, without sin, Hebrews 4.15, that he fulfills his own law. So Jesus does not take his office till age 30 because number four states that our high priest takes his office at age 30. Well, it's about age 30. Jesus goes down to be baptized in John and Jordan, Beth Arba, but there, uh, but John Jordan where John was baptizing. He starts his ministry then at age 30. They said, why wait so long? Because he's fulfilling his own law as a man, tempting all points like as we are yet without sin, doing it as a man, even though he is that spirit of God, it's made him no reputation. So he is fulfilling his own law back to his own spirit that he has made it of no reputation to redeem us. He's making the way. Uh, on that baptism, when he got baptized, that is also the scene where all Godheads are present all at once. So Jesus is getting baptized. The Holy Spirit is there. And then God is saying, I am well pleased. Um, so would you so believe this? Would you right. believe him? Would you believe this? Would you believe that he already has, and he is, he's been given the spirit of God without measure from the womb, not from the tomb, but it's latent and slaved back until he's baptized with John and Jordan and the Holy Ghost comes down in the form of a dove. All that's done is take that intrinsic that he already is and given up the spirit of God without measure, born in the city of David, Christ the Lord, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, but it comes out for the first time. He already is and has been and always will be the spirit of God. But that when that dove comes, it's a sign to John. This is he who will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. So he's not filled with the Holy Ghost. Nowhere in the scripture said he was filled with the Holy Ghost. But he is the spirit of God, always has been the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. But it was it was laid back or made of no reputation until he fulfilled that law. And the law states that he will not start his office as a high priest until age 30. That's the reason why they takes the order of Melchizedek at age 30. So there's a lot of things that's working there that we think, well, the three persons came together and one was, no, it was already there in him, but it was latent, laid back. He was always has been God and always will be God, as we see in Isaiah 43.10, Isaiah 9, uh, verse 5, 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder, singular. Well, the government rests upon his shoulder is, of course, the cross. Then Jesus said, well, that's the government of God. Any man comes after me, let him pick, go pick up his cross, come follow me. But then it tells us who this, this child is. And it says, and name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, not the Mighty Son of God. 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, not the everlasting Son. Now we're going to wait a minute. Who is the Son of God then? Well, he's the Father revealed, and Jesus states that uh, several times in John 8, 24. It just comes out and says it. Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. If they understood not, he spake to them of the Father. But then we have to understand how does this happen, and that's what we need in the churches going throughout the world is how does this work? What's the mechanics? How can we believe this? We can't just take a supposition, say, that theoretically, this is what I believe, but I have nothing to back it up. And that's where we come in as ministers that we have to do this. We have to answer so, those questions. What's the correct way to worship God? Then? If, is it oh, In spirit and in truth. Uh, of course, here's the thing. Uh, we're all at different levels. Zima, you, you, you've seen it over the years. Uh, someone comes in and you say, well, don't judge them because they really haven't had the experience that you have. So we, we show mercy, uh, considering ourselves also, lest we be tempted. So we want to show the love of God and, but you know, not that, Hey, I've got this. I'm going to beat you over the head with this, this, uh, holding the truth in, in unrighteousness. But we want to show the love of God and then answer questions at um, the level that they can receive it. In other words, we don't throw a steak out in front of a child and say, eat it. If you don't, I'm going to beat you up. You know, we don't want to do that. Uh, some ministers, when they, they like to say, well, hey, look at me. I've got this revelation. Uh, great. Pat me on the back. But really what it's doing, it's doing, uh, it's detrimental to the body of Christ. Everyone's at different levels. God loves us all. He wants us to get us there. And now, you know, that when we have a, a, a session, for example, in, in Africa, uh, they come back and they say, well, look, what about this, this, and this? And then we get through the meeting, same with four, five, six hours, we're exhausted. And then they follow you to the motel room, your hotel, and say, explain this, please, explain that. And half the night you're with these ministers and they're the hunger. Uh, to answer the very same questions we're asking, we're being asked yeah. here, and, and we all want to know. So, it, as long as the hunger's there and and we're seeking, God is going to get us there. Uh, it, yeah, I think it, the hunger for truth is what we're really all after. You know, it's like yes. trying to decipher between all the lies of what the truth really is. But I, yes. you know, I do. I think the way I see God, it, He is just one, but I see Him in different roles and different functions because of. Yes. Times, yes, space, whatever. Yes, exactly. And it's it's kind of like ice. You know, you have water that can turn into steam or ice, and well, the Holy Spirit He's given that to us of Himself to kind of be inside us rather than an object or a building or anything else, a form of worship, saying that you know I will communicate directly with yes. you through you. So exactly. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then that means he can only tell you the truth of all things. Yes. Um, and that means if you're ignoring that truth, then are you of God anyway? Because um, there are a lot of Christians who claim to be Christians, but then there are a lot of false doctrines that I think is confusing. Mm. Including myself, I'm always confused. You know, I'm always constantly learning about all these things. And I was as dumb as a doornail when I first started. <laughs> You know, and I think I have grown a bit, but, you know, there's always questions and stuff even now. Always. Uh, there's going to be. If, if if the Lord stood in the room with you in bodily form and said, okay, 
what would you like to ask? We would ask a hundred questions. I mean, everybody would. Uh, when, when we see that, uh, that Jesus, uh, states there, uh, in, you know, says, you know, they, even the disciples had the same thing that we're going through. Uh, John 14, Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house in many mansions. We're not sober to told you. I'm going to play a place for you where I am there. You may be also whether I go, you know, in a way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? First question comes up. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man come with the Father. There's the Father. But by me, from henceforth, you both know him and have seen him. And then Philip goes, wait a minute. No, <laughs> we haven't seen him. Now, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices. That that'll be sufficient. And Jesus says, have I been long, so, so long time with you, and hast thou not known me, Philip? He that's seen me has seen the Father. Thou sayest thou then show us the Father, that believe man, I'm the Father, Father of me, else believe me for the work's sake. The words that I speak, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, houses permanently in me, he's the one doing the works. He's the one healing sick, cleansing the liver, he's the dead, casting out devils, open the blind eyes, who stand thing, laying walk, you have to go on free, bless us, even who swears not tended in me. But the mechanics and the way that uh, that the Lord works salvation is still in progress. And we find in, in 1 Corinthians 15, then come at the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom of God, even the Father, that he may be all through all in his soul. So if we at this time, and God is holding us in spirit, this type of grace, thank God for grace. Until we get to that point, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, and to that perfect image of him that we can be presented blameless to the Lord and being holy, that divine nature of God, through these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us that we might be protector of his divine nature, then and only then will we be able to see the Father face to face. So it says, no man has seen God any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So there's the grace there. He gives us his spirit, but he's doing it in different in different functions. We have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, which is the Father in us. It says so. It says there's uh, one body, one spirit in whom you call and one hope you're calling, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all, who's above all and in us all. We know it's the Father, but yet we haven't seen him yet. So there comes that end in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, Nick, there's coming an end when he shall lift the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, uh, to the Father, even the Father, that he may be through all and in us all. So there's some mysteries there that's being revealed now. And the path of the justice is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. So as long, just like we're doing, we're, we're pressing toward that mark. We don't know it all. Anybody says they do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand back from them. <laughs> we don't know it all. No. But the Holy Ghost is late and says, you know all truth. We say, wait a minute, Lord, I don't know all truth. Well, the spirit of God in you does. And he's the one leading you. And by grace, it is already attributed to us by faith. So it's a, it's a journey that uh, we, we want to stay broken, humble, and contrite. Uh, the proud look goes before a fall, promise before destruction. As long as we stay broken, humble, and contrite, he's going to get us there. Uh, people are at different levels. Uh, uh, you, you know, All over the world, we see different cultures. I was going to share your website um, so they can find you. Uh, yeah. I have written many books. So your website is dennisbeard.org, and I'll post all those links uh, at the end of the podcast. Thank and you. Thank uh, you. we only have about six minutes left, so I just wanted to kind of recap what you're yes. sure about. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not able to see the photos of the books, but 
Uh, the links are all on your website. So you've written about seven books or so? Uh, se yes, seven books. That's correct. Um, so Four on the Godhead and one on the work and, of course, the Mark of the Beast. Uh, that's always been uh, uh, the key Zeke statement. We go into detail on that. Okay, perfect. So um, maybe next time we'll have, I'll have to bring you back, if you're willing, to talk more in detail. Would about love it. to. I, I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it very much with you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, I had one quick question. So the question was back to the Genesis, um, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Can you just uh, describe that in a little bit of detail as to what you think all that means? Well, we we find there in Genesis 3.15 when he talks about uh, the fall was happening in Genesis 3. And then he, he speaks, of course, Adam says, the woman you gave me, the woman that she says, the serpent beguiled me, etc. And then God starts directly with the serpent. And he says, uh, I'm going to put enmity between your seed, her seed, and thou shalt bruise his head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, not her heel, his heel. So we know that there is a uh, the man-child of the woman uh, that is going to bruise and literally crush the head of Satan. Uh, and so many... Uh, his mean, meaning uh, Jesus or the... What do you, when, you, when you say his... Uh, definitely Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt. And, and that is, uh, even, even the Jews today, uh, Israel, the, the Jewish people still are looking for their Messiah, their Hamashiach bin David, they don't want the Messiah, the Hamashiach bin Yosef, the suffering Messiah. They said, no, uh -uh. they want the Messiah that's going to put Israel up as a nation of rule, uh, the world, all the nations uh, uh, be blessed in Israel during the millennial. That will be fulfilled according to the promise to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But there in that, in that uh, proto-evangel, the first messianic promise of Jesus coming is there in Genesis 3.15. Isaiah seven fourteen, uh, Ahaz ask you a sign the heaven above, a beloved the earth beneath. Said, Oh, I will not tempt the Lord God. He said, I'll give you a sign. A woman shall conceive and bring forth a son, call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Butter and honey shall eat, shall refuse, know to refuse the evil, choose the good. And of course, this is Jesus. Uh, and we find that fulfilled there in the Gospels. And it says, and born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Well, that Christ has many functions. Uh, Christ is not only the Spirit of God being the Son of God, as we see in Matthew 17. Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Jesus said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When well, we know the Son of the living God is Christ that's given to us. But then it's also, we find that Christ is the Father. We find that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that he is the Spirit. Christ is the Word. When we find that Christ, when you study Christ, Christ is every office of the Spirit. He's the Father, Word, the Holy Ghost, Son of God, Son of Man, the Kingdom office. He's every office. He's all and in all, every office of the Spirit of God. So the Christ is what we, as ministers, have to teach the body of Christ and answer their questions on this great, uh, this this phenomenal subject uh, of Christ. And that is all that Jesus is the Christ. Yes. Definitely. Well, uh, I got like one minute left. So thank you so much for coming on. And I will post all your links and uh, your YouTube channel is great. I listen to a lot of your sermons there and I will post thank it. So anyone who wants to listen to more 
of his teachings, uh, the best place to go is YouTube's channel. So I will uh, post everything and send you all this uh, later time. So hopefully we'll Thank chat you. the next time on different topics. Thank, Thank you, Zima. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, uh, God bless you. As our journey, we go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Have a good day. Same to you, dear. Bye.